Good morning. I'm Noel Deere, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, Texas. Welcome to this morning's daily devotion. I hope these next few minutes will encourage you as you seek to learn God's word and abide with Christ. Our focus this morning, James chapter one, verses one through four. Before we get into the verses though, let me give you some background for the book of James. Who was the human author for the book of James? Well, it was James. That's easy enough. And James was the half-brother of Jesus. That means that Jesus and James shared a mother. Her name is Mary, but they did not share a father. For James, his father was Joseph. For Jesus, well, he's the son of God. The purpose of the book of James is to give us very practical counsel for how to live the Christian life and how to do that, understanding the importance of biblical faith. James is going to take both of those subjects and put them together in this book, but it'll be a very practical approach. That's why many people have called the book of James Christianity in blue jeans or the New Testament in blue jeans. It's because the book of James is just so plain, so simple, so straight to the point that it's really difficult to to misunderstand. The book of James is filled with commands. There are only 108 verses in the book of James, but there are 59 commands, different commands in the book of James. And it's our goal over the next few weeks to look at every one of those and see how it is that we can live out in a practical way the Christian life. Let's look at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Now, James was the pastor and the overseer of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, there were many Christians who lived in Jerusalem, but there was also a persecution of Christians in Jerusalem, and consequently, many of the Christians had to flee. And so they're spread out across Israel and beyond, really, throughout all of the regions that surrounded the eastern end of the Mediterranean. And these Christians scattered out their people who would have been in James' uh, congregation. Now they're not. But James writes this letter, this practical advice to those scattered believers. Listen to verse 2. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Here's our first command, and it's it's a doozy. He says, when we face trials, when we face hardships or difficulties, instead of moping and complaining and growing bitter, We should count it all joy. We should count that time, that time that we're in the pressure cooker, that time that we're in the midst of the trial and the difficulty, we should count that time as a time of joy, of joy. Now, we're going to see why we should do this in verses 3 and 4. But the first thing to notice here in this verse is that it is a choice. It is a choice. He wouldn't command us to count it all joy, to consider it all joy, if we didn't have the ability, the capability of doing that. This will surprise some people, but our attitudes are not something that happened to us. Our attitudes are something we choose. It's a conscious choice. It's the exercise of a voluntary muscle. Now, how can we choose joy when life is difficult? James doesn't answer that question here, but he implies the answer throughout the entire book. We can choose joy even when life is difficult because we are 
children of God. I can choose joy no matter what may happen today because I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven. My eternity is secure. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. So no matter what circumstance may happen today, no matter what change I may experience today, I know that my salvation will not change. And ultimately, that's what matters. So I can choose joy no matter the circumstances. That's an important lesson for us to learn. I think one of the best uh, one of the best things I've ever heard about this is uh, from a preacher by the name of Charles Swindoll, and he wrote just a little short thing about attitude. I want you to hear. He says, "The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money." than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. He says, the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, he writes, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. I love Swindoll's words because they really amplify what James has given us here in verse 2. When we face trials, when we face difficulties, we must count it joy, count it joy. Now, why would we do that? The next two verses tell us, uh, tell us why it says in verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So when we go through hard times and we've got to choose whether to count it as joy, what God tells us to do, or to mope and complain and to ignore the fact that we're children of God, he says, this is a test. And when we choose to count it joy, that strengthens our faith. That gives us a faith that leads to endurance. It, it, it's like a it's like exercising a weak muscle. You put that muscle under stress, you strain the muscle, it gets stronger. When we go through a difficult time and we choose faith in the Lord, we choose to count it all joy. We choose to focus on what God has given to us instead of the difficulty of the day. That strengthens that faith muscle and it, well, it builds endurance in us. That's why we should do this. And it says in the next verse, verse four, and let endurance have its full effect. So here's, here's why we want endurance. It's full effect. What is its full effect? So that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. How does a person mature in his faith? Do you know what it means to, to see a mature Christian, someone who has joy even in difficult times, uh, a mature Christian, someone who, who is not up and down, but, uh, but who just has that steady peace? Where does that come from? Well, that maturity comes from choosing to count it joy in difficult times. That testing of our faith produces endurance. Endurance leads to the maturing of our faith. And then it says at the end of four, verse four, that we will lack nothing, lack nothing. 
We all have difficulties in our lives. Take a moment and think through your attitude in the midst of those difficulties. Are you choosing joy in the midst of adversity? Friends, thanks for watching or listening today. If you're on YouTube, please hit subscribe uh, to make sure you never miss one of these videos. On your favorite podcasting app, search for Pastor Noel's Daily Devotions. Further info at noeldeer.com. I hope you have a great day as you endeavor to abide in Christ. Christ.